Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Darren Hefty broadcasting here from the Morton studio. We'll be taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout today's show. That's what we do on Farmer Fridays. You can call us at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also send an email, radio at agphd.com, which is a great way to send in a complicated question or a soil test or a picture and we can address it that way, too. You can certainly do both. You can send us a picture, soil test, whatever, and then call and follow up as well and try and get some ideas. And uh, today's a good day to do it. Um, all right, let's dive into a mailbag question here right off the bat. It's the mailbag! Get this one from Michael uh, down in Arkansas. He said, I've got a few acres of pumpkins, and my main weed problems are woolly croton and horse nettles. Is there anything I can use to control these in the pumpkins, probably pre-emerge? All right. Uh, thanks, Mike. We uh, appreciate the question. And you ask a tough one here because there are not very many herbicides labeled for use in pumpkins. Now, pre-emerge and with burn down, there are things that you can do post-emerge, there just aren't a whole lot of choices. So let's first start by talking about those two weeds, woolly croton. So that one is a warm season annual weed. Now, when I say warm season, that usually means it's going to pop up a little bit later. And that makes it tricky because it's not out there maybe when you're going to be planting. So you may not be able to do a burn down on it. If it is up already, awesome. You can, can do a burn down. You can use something like Roundup, for example, and and try and uh, burn off any woolly croton that's out there. But Roundup doesn't have any residual. There isn't anything I know that's got great residual that's going to take that particular weed out. So I don't know that we're going to get it unless it's already up. With horse nettle, that's perennial. And with perennial weeds, we've got a good shot. If you can use Roundup and hit them pre-emerge, that would be awesome, or pre-plant. Either way, uh, that would be, that'd be our best bet on that particular weed. Now, in the crop of pumpkins, if we're talking about post-emerge control, the only real broadleaf one that I'm aware of is halo sulfuron, which would be like sandia or corn farmers would know that chemistry as permit. Um, I don't know how good that's going to be on either of those two weeds. I don't think it's going to be great on horse nettle. Maybe it would help you on the woolly croton, but that's going to be kind of tough. Uh, in the row middles, a guy could use uh, trifluoral in there and try and have some residual that way, but you could also spray Roundup and AIM uh, would be two products you could use in between. So you can't spray it right on top of the pumpkins, but in between you could, and that would do a decent job on either of those two weeds. Um, oh, the other thing pre-emerge that a guy could use is is ethylfluralin or Curbit would be the the brand name for that. Uh, it would be uh, like Sonalan, same kind of active ingredient. So it would be similar to trifluralin, uh, maybe just a little bit longer lasting. So that's about it. That's about all I know. Other than that, um, if you do whatever you can to try to keep them from going to seed, like with the woolly croton, I, I know if you read about that one, it'll, it'll do kind of like what we used to do with thistles in pastures when we were kids dad would say oh man that already made it to it's putting a seed head on just cut the seed heads off save them in a bag and you know, we'll chop that weed up and and hope it doesn't come back uh, that would kind of be the strategy to use and i know with horse nettle they'll say just keep mowing keep knocking it down chopping it up don't let it go to seed 
uh, that would be your other strategy. Uh, so if you use mulch or if you used uh, plastic in between uh, the the pumpkins or just tried to let the grass grow a little taller in between them, something to try to choke that out. And if you can get grass growing and thick, it can kind of choke those weeds out too. That's all I got, Michael. Sorry, not a great answer for you in, in pumpkins. Let's head to the phone lines here. We got Keith over in Ohio right now. How's it going, Keith? Oh, pretty good. How's you doing, Darren? Good, good. So uh, getting cold over here. We got a little bit of snow too. How about where you're at? Uh, same thing. We're 27 degrees right now, the wind blowing, and uh, the roof's got snow on them. Ah, so harvest is all in the bin for you. Is there anything else you wanted to get done in the field, or have all those thoughts kind of gone away now? No, we finished up uh, about two weeks ago. We had 200 acres of double crop beans we finished up on, and uh, so we got all the fall spraying done, and uh, so we're in pretty good shape right now. We're extremely dry over here in southwestern Ohio. We've been ex- extremely dry since uh, July. Oh. And everything. The, the corn was down to 14 to 15% moisture. We finished up and too dry and everything. So we had an interesting year. Started out wet and cold and then hot and dry. Yeah, it, it was pretty darn dry here too. And gosh, you look at the, the drought map, it looks like we all could use some moisture here between now and planting time. Well, that's what over here, there's people doing fall tillage, but I don't know why, because they're burning their points up and everything else. And, uh, you know, there's just no moisture in the ground. Because uh, it's a little bit of snow, you know, it's not mountain anything. And you know, we planted 200 acres of, of wheat, and, uh, you know, we really dusted that in. But we did get a couple tenths of rain twice, and, and the wheat's up a couple inches. So hopefully we'll make it through this cold weather now. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. For us, we got a little warm up. I mean, if you can call it that, it's going to be above freezing at least uh, next week. Our, our, I know on our farm, we got a little bit more drain tile work we want to get done, and we're going to give it a shot. We got a few inches of frost, and then in other areas, we don't have any. So I, I think we can still get work done without making a mess. Yeah, I think you probably can. That's what we're supposed to get up to maybe mid forties a little next week, so we can finish up any of the last minute details and we're cleaning the equipment now and everything put, getting everything put away you bet yeah so, i love but, i love the change of seasons pre- get up to the mid yeah. 40s <laughs> and that sounds yeah. good yes that sounds good at the moment and everything but but it's amazing the crops were pretty good though with all the dry weather you know these better genetics and everything we're you know feeding the crops it's uh, amazing how they turned out Absolutely. We're very thankful here as well. Well, Keith, hey, great talking to you. Glad to get it all out before it got too cold over there. And, and good luck. Hopefully uh, next week bring some warmer weather. You can get a little more done. Okay. Well, thanks, Darren. You have a good one. You bet. Thank you. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. It changes everything. 
So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open throughout the show today at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head out to Oregon. Got Hunter on with us right now. How's it going? How's it going, Hunter? Good. How are you guys? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, what's happening out on your farm now? Uh, well, we've uh, we finished our hay month or so ago and uh now we're actually hauling a bunch of hay around and on its customers and get things put away for winter awesome awesome okay talk to me about hay just a little bit i know prices on about everything have been pretty high uh i'm assuming the hay price is, is pretty strong in your area too yeah yeah no every our yeah the hay prices are good um they started off really strong better than anybody's ever seen around July earlier this summer and it didn't take very long for them to come back down a little bit but they're still really strong and you know so far we're in good shape but uh, I don't think they're going to go up much from here. You know when you're you're talking about hay that's a it can be a diverse topic because there's a lot of different types of hay a lot of different goals that that people are trying to shoot for uh what type of livestock are you raising the hay for and and what are kind of some of the things that help you get paid a little bit better some of the characteristics you're shooting for here uh so most of our hay we sell most of our hay uh, either to dairies or for export so it's all most of it's all high quality uh hay we do have our own cows so some of the grain hay and, and the lower quality hay we do feed ourselves uh, but the major the majority of it all goes to either dairies in our state or uh, export. Right. Yeah. So for quality, uh, we're looking for we're looking for high relative feed value and also high protein are probably the two biggest things. Everybody looks. 
Yep, boy, it'd be a tough, tough job being a cow on your farm, Hunter. You're watching the good quality stuff get hauled out, and you're left to eat anything that's not quite as good. Yeah, yeah, I know. They, yeah, these beef cows, they don't need the highest quality stuff. So, actually, yeah, they, they're more spoiled than a lot of the guys that don't have any hay and just have cows. So, they eat pretty well, but we do feed some of the lower quality to them just that we don't need. We don't need a super high quality for, for our beef cows. Right, right. Yeah, just a whole different deal than uh, than the guys that are producing milk every day. Hey, when you look at the fertility then in your hay ground, is that something that you address throughout the season between cuttings? Is it something you try to target in the fall timing? Uh, when do you try to build fertility back up? Uh, so we, we usually apply our fertilizer in the early spring. Uh, whenever the weather's decent, so sometimes it could be as early as February, February, March. Um, last year we did put most of it on in the fall, just trying to kind of hopefully beat the price, the high prices, which I think we may have saved a little bit by applying it and applying it in the fall versus last spring. Um, but yeah, for the most part, we, have, we usually spread everything in the spring. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like you mentioned, the time trying to time those prices. We we know those prices are pretty high right now, so it makes it tough to to figure out. Gosh, are they going to get any better by spring, or or do we go right now? And for for everybody listening that's not a farmer and doesn't have to buy fertilizer than maybe a bag for their for your lawn, uh, this is a big deal for farmers, and and it can be the difference between being able to to make decent money on the farm and. Uh, having to spend it all just trying to build the fertility back up and not really making much. So big, big deal here, uh, especially like for Hunter when when the guys there are doing hay. They're, that hay crop removes a lot of nutrition, and that nutrition is going into the animals. And ultimately it would be awesome if all the manure from the animals came back, but uh, we, we've got other other dairies, other livestock operations around that the guys like Hunter raise hay for. So uh, it, it's kind of a neat system, and it just it does require a lot of fertility, though, to, to continue to grow that good crop. Well, Hunter, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Good luck here as you're, as you're hauling the hay around and, and heading in towards winter. Okay, thank you. You bet. Uh, let's head over to Illinois. Got Rock on with us right now. Uh, Rock, speaking about input prices, uh, it's not good even for the guys raising corn and soybeans, too. Well, gosh, one question we have here is we're scampering to get our fall anhydrous on, and we've got a fairly decent price on that locked in right now, but we think that's only good, you know, fall applied. Who knows where to throw the dart for spring? Could be, you know, four or $500 a ton higher. So we've got pretty cold snap come through here probably out there also so but hopefully we're in for a nice week next week with warmer temps and can can roll our strip till bar some more that you know that's the thought here too a lot of guys if we look at our weather stations around the state we've got frost as deep as 10 inches in one part of the state and in others there's none uh and i think the weather station on our farm says it's just a couple inches but i know as we've been out there this week there have been some spots that it's maybe been five inches deep and other areas where it's not there at all so you're right uh we're, we're hoping for that warm-up next week too to get a little bit more done out in the fields i, I hope that that works out it's pretty quiet here in northwestern illinois today it's opening day of shotgun deer season and probably 30 mile an hour gusts here so everyone's laying pretty low and the harvest is pretty well wrapped up around here had a great harvest it's so much fun when 
you can complete harvest uh, in a wearing a t-shirt and we had a <laughs> yes. great harvest by the, yeah, the greatest up. ever and the biggest accomplishment is when we pull off this production and everyone stayed safe with no injuries that's oh, the greatest reward for sure and i know our listeners down in the south like to tease us guys up here in the north so we get cold but you're right this year we finished up in t-shirts as well it felt pretty good <laughs> that's a treat so heading into next year then, Rock, what are, what are you thinking? I, I guess you had good crops. That's that's awesome. Uh, what about next year? Same rotation? Uh, is it changing up anything? Like with this anhydrous, if you don't get it on, uh, is that going to change any acres over to soybeans, or are you just going to have to do it in the spring? Well, again, this year we were kind of disappointed in some of our soybean yields. Uh, oh, Some were, were satisfying and some weren't. Uh, corn was really good all across the board. You know, we like to rotate, but boy, we really take a penalty on some of this soil around here on soybeans, even rotating every other year. So I guess it's going to be weather determinant. I asked my fertilizer supplier about spring anhydrous, and he just gave me a deer in the headlight look like who knows what it's, the price is going to be if it's even available. So it's going to be a wait and see when we warm up in the spring and make a decision that day, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's... It's tough. These supply things have been a challenge. I know for our farm, too, there's a lot of this stuff that, uh, well, I'll tell you a price when you pick it up, and uh, I can't guarantee what tomorrow is going to be, or I can only guarantee as far as uh, what we've got in the shed here. So it's been been tough to plan around, but hopefully we get back to whatever normal used to be soon. Yep, yep. And when the snow gets deep here and she's all froze up, well, then we're in for a little break, and we'll just kind of resume things when it warms up in the spring and we'll enjoy Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can't believe it's Thanksgiving already. And the good thing is the the crop's in the bin for just about everybody now in the north, which is which is really nice. And we just don't have to worry. If we do get a bunch of snow, uh, no big deal. That's 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 for sure. Thank you. You bet. Well, thanks a lot, Rock. Really appreciate having you on. Have a, have a happy Thanksgiving coming up next week, too. You also, nice to visit again with you, Brian, Darren, Janelle. Great to visit you again. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks, Rock. Yeah, it's pretty fun when you get decent weather at harvest time. It doesn't always happen, so you got to – I really appreciate that, that Rock is celebrating that this year, that, man, we, we everybody stayed safe. That's number one thing. Uh, number two, we had great weather, so uh, everything worked out pretty well out in the fields and – uh, even if you had to spend a little extra time out there for one reason or another, at least you had decent weather to to try and get things done. Uh, dive back into the mailbag here. I had a question come in uh, from Fingers who says, uh, hey, guys, uh, you were talking about common burdock the other day on your show, and I'm just curious, what if I just spread a little bit of water softener salt? Would that kill the roots of burdock? Oh, man, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, pull the weed before you spread salt out on the ground. That's going to impact whatever is going to grow in that area uh, next to it. And that's one of the things that I like about many of these herbicides. They've been researched. You could spray something like Freelex on burdock and just kill the weed and have virtually no residual uh, after just a few weeks in the soil too. Uh, that'd be my preferred method or just pull it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It takes balance to be successful in farming. Because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. 
It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. C&B, your local John Deere dealer, is here to help you get in the field and keep you going all season long. Turn to C&B for all your equipment needs. Stop into your local C&B or visit DeerEquipment.com. Did you know 20% of stored corn is often overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for less with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG, specially priced at $1,800 per unit while supplies last. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 10th and 11th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the two most important days you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Commodity Classic has everything you need to take your farming operation to the next level. Nationally known thought leaders, a huge trade show with the latest ag innovations, outstanding education that will help you prepare for the next generation of farming, and networking with thousands of farmers from across the nation and beyond. Join us in Orlando March 9th through 11th, 2023. Learn more at commodityclassic.com. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Let's head over to New York right now. We've got Jake on with us. Jake, how's it going? I'm good, Darren. How are you today? I am doing well. I'm doing well. All the crops in the bin, we're all done. That's that's a fantastic feeling. And for a lot of guys heading into Thanksgiving, if you don't have all that stuff to worry about, uh, you, you can relax and just enjoy your family and, and food. Yeah, that's it. It's it's nice this year. We were we were same way. Everything was ahead here by quite a long shot. So awesome. we're done and uh, just kind of getting ready for some winter projects and back to our other work too, so. Yeah, so so uh, talk to us about that a little bit. What's what's going on uh, with with the hay crop up there? We were just talking with Hunter out in Oregon about hay and what they were doing on that ground there. Uh, what's happening up in New York? 
Um, as far as hay, I'm not too sure. We don't grow any of it. Um, primarily around our area here is mainly corn and soybeans. And I would say at this point, 80% of everybody's done. You know, um, we had a beautiful stretch of weather here and end of October, oh, end of October, early November. Um, we had three weeks with almost no rain at all. So it was just a nice, beautiful window, warm temperatures and we got a lot done without making a lot of mess. So everybody did. Oh, that's a good feeling. Yes. Not to have yeah. to clean up after, <laughs> after what happened. Right. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. When you get good weather, uh, it's just so much easier on equipment and everything else. I know we're, we're working on uh, equipment, doing all those little things, uh, all, any little fix up thing that we had or maintenance thing, just trying to get stuff done so we can put everything away and have it be in decent shape. Yeah. It gets done early. So we can start making a plan for next year too. You bet. So what is the game plan for next year? Is it, is it going to change? You know, we were just talking with, uh, uh, rock over in Illinois and he said, man, might end up going more corn next year. Just, they were having some challenges on the bean side. How, how about for you guys? Okay. Um, we're looking, we're probably going to stay about the same ratio. We're looking to pick up some more ground, a, a big chunks up for uh, grabs this year. Hoping we can get, you know, a, a competitive bid onto it anyway, but we've switched here the last two years. Now we've grown, uh, high oil, like, Soybeans, the Flemish soybeans, and had phenomenal luck with them. Um, and plus, we're getting a good premium at the elevator for them too. So, excellent, excellent. Yeah, that's that's yeah. kind of nice. You can get good yields and then get that little extra bump too. That that yeah. uh, is not a bad deal. Not going to turn that down for sure. No, that all helps in today's today's world. So, um, so I kind of wanted to ask you guys on that uh, ground coming up. What it is is it state owned property. Okay. Uh, last year, our state passed some legislation where any state-owned ground, you cannot use glyphosate, 2,4-D, or a triclopyr products. I believe it is. Okay. Um, we've gone with a, your three pre pro, or three yellows or three pre's for our soybeans here the last few years. Had good luck with it. My issue is we get you know mid-season, late-season, we're having to go back in with glyphosate and kind of touch down some grasses here or there. But I was curious as to if you guys had any suggestions, you know, how to work around that, in, especially in corn. You know, we use 2,4-D as part of our burn down, you know, that, and to help get clean going into the season. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that That is a challenge, and, and it's interesting for, for everybody listening that is not in the state of New York or California, uh, if you notice on a lot of the labels for pesticides, some of them will say, this label's not good in New York or California, and and sometimes there'll be a few other states that get involved. But uh, New York's got some different regulations, so that makes it a little bit of a challenge. Uh, yeah, when, we uh, we don't get access to a lot of products that uh, some of the Midwestern states get, you know, or you guys get. Yeah, I wonder why. You know, it's 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 kind of interesting. Everybody's got their reasons or or the studies that they've done yeah. or, or are doing, and. Um, I, I guess for whatever reason, it just is what it is right now. So you got to kill some weeds and roundups out of the equation, two, four D's out of the equation. So, so what can we do? Well, um, 
you know, on the soybean side, we got a lot of different options, and many of these traits now have got access to use Liberty. And a guy could use Liberty. It's pretty good on broadleaves. It's not as good on grass as what Roundup is, but but it, it can do a pretty decent job too if you had grass and broadleaves. Otherwise, of course, you could use something like Select or Clethodim or one of those grass killers post-emerge to try to take stuff out. The three pre's okay. are legal as far as I know everywhere. So uh, that I, I like that strategy. Starting there is going to thin down whatever you have for weeds. Uh, and then turning to corn... Uh, on the burn down side, a couple different things that a guy could do. Um, it, rather than having 2,4-D in, a guy could just switch the pre-emerge herbicide up to Verdict, and that way you'd have a couple ounces of Sharpen in there, which is a, a really hot uh, broadleaf burn down product. Plus, it's got residual at that rate of probably a month worth of residual. Uh, so that that could be the pre. We could just simply switch the pre up so we didn't have to use the 2,4-D. And that would okay. be that would be a nice choice uh, if you can get some verdict. And yeah, I guess you have to see how that's priced in your area and what what dealers have on that one. Um, and then, you know, if I guess if you just wanted to get away from two forty, can you use dicamba or is that off the market too? There, I believe dicamba might be off too. Okay, I was going to say if you could it. if you could use dicamba, then. Uh, that would be easy to switch to, and I'd prefer that in front of corn because it's a lot safer to the corn than than what 2,4-D is. But, um, yeah, otherwise, uh, I would switch to Verdict and, and have the Sharpen in there. I think that's a pretty broad-spectrum burner, and you could mix that in with, um, gosh, something else for burn. If you can't use glyphosate, um, can you use Gramoxone or Paraquat? Is that is that approved yet? Uh, and Paraquat still, still allowed. Okay. You could do that. Uh, you could potentially do Liberty, but it's a lot more expensive. Um, or some guys were, were trying to use Clethodim or those types of burners in to get grasses early as well. But, um, if you just put the verdict out there a little earlier before everything gets started, you'd have Outlook and Sharpen in there for residual products and grass and broadleaves. It's it's pretty nice. Maybe just move the timing up just a little bit. And uh, the other thing that a guy could do is if it's no-till or strip-till, you could go in with a fall burn down and, and try to, to wipe stuff out in the fall as much as you can. You'd have a few other options. I, I hate that dicamba and 240 are off the table because they're the cheapest ones, but uh, but there right. are other ways we could go about doing it too. Okay. All right. That's all, all some good options then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you get specific weeds, I mean, we can sure talk about that, or or uh, you can always call or, or email us too if you got anything unusual that pops up. I know sometimes uh, we we end up with some different weeds when we're not doing tillage, and we get things like dandelions and others, and uh, it, yeah, then it gets gets to be fun or mare's tail, those kinds of things. Yeah, we've seen like everywhere, you know, we've seen that the last couple of years of mare's tail. Um, this year actually didn't seem to be too bad. You know, we've stayed on top of it, but we had water hemp issues like we've never had this year. Yeah. So yep. it's, uh, it's, it's always something. Yeah. And, and who knows what you're going to get when you pick up new ground too, that, <laughs> that, right. that can always be interesting for the first couple of years of what's, what's going to pop up out there. Exactly. Exactly. So. Awesome. Well, great talking to you, Jake. We really appreciate it, and and uh, glad to hear everything went went pretty well this year. And hopefully, you get a chance to take a little break over Thanksgiving too coming up. 
Yeah, same to you, Darren. Thank you. You bet. Thanks a lot. We'll talk again. Have a good one. You too. Yeah, it's a, it's a interesting when you lose some of those good options, and that's why we talk so passionately about, man, let's use multiple modes of action. Let's do everything we can to, to keep everything available for us, but sometimes regulation takes things away uh, for, for whatever reason in, in different parts of the world. Uh, Jake, of course, up in New York has got, got some different regulations there where, where they can't use Roundup 240 uh, on the state-owned ground and um, there, there are other ways to kill weeds. We do have other options out there, and sometimes it's timing. The other thing um, that I guess we could have spent a little more time talking about there is just the fall weed control. I know we're seeing more and more guys move towards that fall model if, if it works out with timing and whatnot on the farm. So something that you have to consider as well. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back after this. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I am Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market, claiming to improve soil health and plant development. There's a lot to sort through. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Thursday, January 12th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at soilwarrior.com. 
Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us on a Farmer Friday. We're taking your calls and questions throughout the show today and also your emails. It's 844-44-AG-PHD or radio at agphd.com. Let's head down to Missouri. Got Chuck on with us right now. How's it going, Chuck? I'm doing great, man. How are you? We're doing pretty well. We're cold up here, though. Man, it's it's below freezing today, and that that's no fun to be out there anymore. Now I want to do office work. No, it it's uh, it's not. We are uh, north central Missouri, and we are we are unusually cold for uh, for this time of year as well. So I uh, tried to do a little deer hunting this morning, and uh, time to rethink my hobbies and whatever <laughs> like this. Yep, that's for sure. That's for sure. Well, man, it takes a lot of layers to to be able to sit still and 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 just wait. But uh, how about the farming? How'd things turn out for you this year? Uh, it was a phenomenal year, Darren. Record year for us. Um, just super, super blessed. And in an area that really was, I think, behind on rainfall for for average rainfall. Um, our, our rainfall timings were just phenomenal, and corn when it hit pollination, uh, we were really hot. But uh, we got some rain, and, and we cool off good at night. We were like you know near a hundred during the day, but we was cooling off into like the upper sixties at, at night, and it was just uh, it was just phenomenal. Um, my dad, uh, my dad will be I think seventy four, and and he said he's never seen anything like this, and and I don't know that. It'll take something pretty special for us to see anything better than what we saw this year. Very blessed. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we were we were kind of in the same boat where we were short to moisture and thinking, ah, I'm just looking at what the rainfall totals have been. And a lot of times my brother likes to uh, be guessing all the way through the year, well, I think we got 200 bushel corn now, and then we get a hot week. Well, we probably only have 190 bushel corn now. Well, I think we were getting a little too pessimistic because this crop sure seemed to respond to whatever little bit of moisture we got. It did, and you know, and I, I tell people all the time that, that that my dad's one of the biggest pessimists in the world. But in all reality, he's a realist. And uh, last year for us, our, our bean crop, um, you know, in August, I wouldn't have gave you a nickel for it, and we caught some late August rains. and And we thought we'd at that point in time, we thought we'd cut the best bean crop we'd ever see in our lives. And this year, our beans just Missouri for some odd reason is notorious for beans just getting really tall really rank and they look really good but they don't yield very well and we were both like yeah you know it's the rain's been good the timings have been good but look how tall these beans are they're going to be just you know average and man were we we were completely wrong and then same thing with corn you know i've gotten in the habit of going out and pulling ears and doing kernel counts and all that and and i was doing kernel counts and they were they were pretty i mean they were good don't get me wrong they were good but they were disappointing and and then, man, when the combine started rolling through there, we got to watching the yield monitor and recalibrating and recalibrating and come to find out it was actually right. And it was just, it was a special year for sure. You know, 
I get messed up on that too. And I'm doing kernel counts because I don't know which number to divide by. And there, there really isn't a good way to estimate the depth on those kernels or the test weight right. and what you're going to finally end up with. And so, yeah, sometimes I'm off a little bit one way or the other. And uh, I don't know, I could be off 20 bushels high, 20 bushels low sometimes and be really shocked by things just, just due to that. And even some of the yeah. corn breeders now I've been talking to have uh, started to talk this way. They always used to say, well, this will flex for length or this will flex for girth. And now some of the guys are using the terminology, you know, this one really flexes for deep, deep kernels if you get the right weather right. and heat during pollination. That doesn't sound like the right weather, Chuck, but I guess you get down you know, in the 60s at night. That's quite a blessing. It was. And like I said, I it, the rains could not, you know, our, our corn planting was, was, uh, was spread out a little bit due to some some rains and and uh, we finished up in early May and and I mean it just worked out so good that when those first first acres started pollinating we caught some rains the other uh, you know the other corn was a couple weeks behind we hit that heat and uh, that that second bout of heat we had we, is really the only time during the year that we saw any corn roll up and that was on our thinner ground but the rains came and uh, and it just like I said, we we were blessed. We had uh, we had three some odd inches of rain here overnight just a couple of weeks ago, and that was our biggest single rain event for the year. I mean, we did not have big rain totals. We just had enough at the right time, and uh, uh, you know that, that whoever it was in California got really lucky on the Powerball. And, we here in North Central Missouri just got really lucky this year with with the rainfall. So. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Well, we don't we don't need two billion dollars to to have a great year on the farm, but it sure is fun right. raising raising some record yields. But here's the problem with record yields, Chuck, is now that means you pulled a record amount of nutrients out of your soil, so now exactly. you got to pay the piper. I, I'm getting, I'm getting fertilizer wrecks from my co-op uh, every day and. And I cringe when uh, when I go and, and open them up and and uh, yeah, it's uh, it, that's the the, the the common misconception about us farmers out here. People know enough to know what commodity prices are and and uh, they know enough to know that we had a good crop in the field, but they they don't know the input side of it, and that's uh, that's becoming a very scary side of it. Yeah, I'm kind of starting to feel like uh, Brian and I are becoming a support line here because we, we get uh, on a regular basis. Well, here's what they recommended for fertilizer, and here's the total dollars. That can't be right, can it? Please tell us it's not that yeah. bad. I got one rec back today that uh, it's a field that's scheduled to go to corn for next year, and and uh, uh, it's 200 bucks an acre, uh, and that's just in, just in removal, you know. So, yeah, it's... Uh, the the fun part the fun part of farming in my opinion is over with now you know the office work and then the planning for next year and and for us you know it was like i said it was it was so good everywhere was every every bean variety and every corn hybrid was so good uh, so now you get to sit down and scratch your head and and look at yields and and try to pick the ones for next year i i, I honestly hate this time of year because i you know you live and die by the seeds that you pick and if you pick the wrong one then that's you know sets the tone for your your whole year and and uh, we don't have a bad one to pick from from this year but you got to ask yourself well was it the was it the hybrid or was it the year or was it both and so yeah um, it's uh, the mental the mental work starts now for us 
Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this, what we found on our firm, as we get fields fixed up on fertility and drainage, our hybrid selection becomes less important. So that's good because now you don't need as many of the defensive traits as much. So uh, a wider variety of products will work for you, which maybe that's where you're getting to. Maybe you just kind of got a lot of these things figured out, and maybe that's part of it, that everything looked good this year. I hope it is. Well, I, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of everything. I mean, it's, it's luck and, and, uh, experience and, and, uh, it's, it's a little bit of everything. My dad paid me a great compliment a couple of years ago. We were, we were going to plant a field of corn that we hadn't planted in, in several years. And he said, I, I never really had any luck planting corn on that, but he says, you're, you're a better corn farmer than I was. And I said, no, no, I don't think so. I think the corn breeders are just a lot smarter nowadays than what they were back then. And, and, uh, you, like I said, you can maybe pick one that's not the best and and uh, and still come out okay. All right. So last question I got for you. So you say it's a little cold to be out there deer hunting, but have you got your eyes on something uh, pretty big out there? I, I do. I've I've got. Uh, I usually have a half a dozen of them to choose from, but I've only uh, I've only got one that's really got my uh, got my attention this year. And and like uh, like like most big whitetails, they they become pretty elusive. Uh, this time of year <laughs> yes, they so, do. even though they're out there looking for love they're smart enough they you know the old saying you know they don't get that big by being stupid so they know what time of year it is and they know what the best time to go look for a date is and that's the middle of the night and that's the only time he seems to show up on camera is in the middle of the night so yep well good luck to you chuck uh, hopefully he sticks his head out there just one time for you so you so you get a shot and and thanks for chatting with us today really appreciate it i appreciate it y'all have a great day you bet you too it's Farmer Friday here on Ag PhD Radio, and our phone lines will be open throughout the show today at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us, radio at agphd.com. We were talking about apical dominance the other day, and Richard said, hey, Darren spoke about a tree that was a great example of that. I'd like to see a picture of that someday. That's a good idea, Richard. I'll have to snap a, a picture and post that online sometime. Now, we'll be right back with your calls and questions after this. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 10th and 11th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the two most important days you spend in your farming career, and it's free. 
So register now at agphd.com. When it comes to protecting your field from disease and environmental stress, there's Revitech fungicide. <laughs> and there's everything else. When it comes to unparalleled power, there's Revitech. <laughs> and everything else. And when it comes to speed and stamina, this is Revitech. And this is everything else. Nothing else comes close to Revitech fungicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, taking your calls at 844-44-AG-PHD and your emails, radio at agphd.com. Okay, get this one in from BB, who said, uh, guys, you're talking about pesticides and their impact on soil microbes. There would only be a handful of resilient bacteria able to survive these hostile conditions. All right, Billy, uh, or BB, uh, here's the thing. A lot of these beneficial microbes that that are being used in agriculture today, we call them natural products uh, because they're natural fungi, natural bacteria, and so forth that uh, are already out there in nature, uh, but these companies are just blowing them up so they uh, have a high count, a high population, putting them into formulations that farmers can actually put out there through a sprayer on the seed, in the furrow, uh, dry granules, liquids, whatever, depending on what the the microbes are. They're actually testing them uh, with different pesticides that farmers are using to see, okay, if they put it out with their pre-emerge herbicide, if a farmer put it out with his fertilizer, if he put it out foliar with a pesticide, would those microbes survive? And sometimes they find the answer is no. And so then on the labels, many of these naturals now will say, don't mix us with this or that. Uh, But part of the reason is not the pesticide active ingredient itself, It's the other things that are in the pesticides. And this kind of gets us into a little bit longer discussion, so I'll try to keep it short. But when you think about Roundup or any herbicide that's going to be used out there, it's not just Roundup and water that's in the jug or Roundup and oil. 
they'll have a lot of different things in there. They'll have uh, different compatibility agents. They'll have antimicrobial products in there so they don't get microbial growth in their jug, that kind of thing. Those are the types of things, uh, the antimicrobials oftentimes, that are causing problems with beneficial microbes out there. Now, if you're spraying uh, a few ounces of a pesticide out in a field on, you know, millions of tons of soil, not a big deal. They're short-lived in the soil in most cases, and they aren't going to create any big issue out there. In fact, we've seen better plant health, better soil health uh, in many fields than, than farmers say they've ever seen. So I know there's a lot of effort with cover crops, with how we're raising crops in general, uh, reductions in tillage, those types of things that, that are leading to better soil health, better microbial counts in the soil. Um, so I don't think that's the big issue. And I don't believe uh, with many of these na uh, natural type products, they've tested it. They, they, they're not in a spot where they're going to get killed off by a lot of the pesticides we're using. And then finally, you, you mentioned there's only a handful of bacteria that are able to survive. And I don't know if that's... Uh, directed towards the use of fungicides, but even with some of the fungicides uh, or fungus, fungal killers <laughs> that, that farmers will utilize, some of them are pretty specific on to which types of fungi they will control and which types they won't. So anyway, don't, don't rush to judgment on that. There is actually a lot of testing being done on that. Um, and uh, there are many of these big ag chem manufacturers that also have a naturals division. So they're, they're doing a lot of testing in the lab on this to, to make sure we're going to be okay. And, uh, yeah, as a farmer who does use, um, crop protection products and beneficial soil microbes, and we're really focused on trying to build up soil health, we, we are still seeing, uh, significant gains in soil health going forward. So thanks for the, the comment. Thanks for checking out our content. We do really appreciate that and uh, always appreciate uh, a chance to get a discussion started about what's happening out on the farm. All right. Uh, got a couple of different um, emails here on phosphorus. This one comes in from Brandon. I'll, I'll see if we can get through this one. Uh, Brandon had a question just the other day and uh, he was talking about placement of phosphate in and how they're going to do it, putting it uh, zero by two or, or how we were going to do that. He said, okay, you guys mentioned five or 10 gallons of 1034 potentially hurting crop. Uh, this application I was going to do would be at the depth of the seed, but two inches to the side of the seed. My concern around it uh, being a waste is if very much could be taken up at a shallow depth, especially on habitually dry ground. Uh, that is a concern, Brandon. I guess we, we do like phosphate as deep as we can in a lot of no-till or um, reduced-till type situations. Two inches, maybe all the farther down we're going to get it. So, okay, I guess I guess that's what we're run with. But, yeah, I would like to see it down deeper. That way, if you, if you don't get much moisture, at least, you know, if you're six or eight inches down and you've got a decent amount of phosphate there, uh, you can take it up. And the other thing that we're concerned about with phosphate being placed shallow is if you did ever have erosion. Now, two inches beneath the soil surface is much better than on the soil surface. So uh, so that's that's pretty good. And, and honestly, if you're two inches away from the seed, five or ten gallons of 1034-0 is probably not an issue um, in, in your 10 CEC soils that have low phosphate to begin with because uh, – 
you got to get the fertilizer out there somehow and putting it out there where the seed and the root system will eventually find it, uh, I think is good. The other question you had here, he said, uh, enjoyed your conversation about building phosphate levels. Uh, we are, we're trying to build ours up now. Uh, and while I'm not going to lose it to leaching, uh, due to our moisture conditions, um, I just don't want to have tie up. Is there anything that you, I should be thinking about with tie up generally not, uh, Brandon, I guess a lot of the phosphate that's going to be tied up is already tied up. And if you're applying it with a, a calcium um, application, maybe you'd get some tie up. But for the most part, if you're you're putting out 103040, uh, you're going to have a good shot at getting a lot of that into your plant. Uh, thanks for the question. We do appreciate that. Yeah, it, I guess Oh, I should mention to uh, your your pH levels, if, if you get really wild pH levels that that might end up being an issue, but uh, outside of that, uh, you should be in good shape. Thanks for the questions. We really appreciate it and, and uh, appreciate that conversation as well. Uh, get this one in from um, Andrea over in Ohio, and and she said, guys, uh, we are on the western Lake Erie watershed. Obviously, phosphate's a big deal, and they are blaming subsurface tile drainage as a Quote, primary pathway of phosphorus loss, accounting for over 60% of the losses. Uh, we've got heavy soils on our farm. Uh, and we've got a creek that starts north of us, eventually ends up uh, uh, getting to Lake Erie uh, down the way. Uh, we're always under the assumption phosphorus doesn't move much in soil. We're so focused on minimizing surface runoff and filtering before uh, that water ends up in the creek. So phosphorus doesn't move much. How can 60% of phosphorus loss from the farm uh, come from subsurface drainage? Uh, all right, Andrea, great question. And I agree with you. I, I don't I don't think that's right. Uh, I think the best thing that, that you can do if you've got subsurface tile drainage on your farm is pull water quality samples out of that and check the phosphate levels in the water. Um, we, we actually have done some work uh, in, in our state, both with our state's land-grant university and also with the, the Soybean Association in our state to put in um, basically a, a wood chip filter trying to filter out anything out of our tile water. And it has been effective pulling the low level of nitrate that, that could sometimes be in the water out. Uh, never had a nitrate issue, but... Um, that that is kind of the best thing I guess about that uh, wood chip bioreactor is that it's high carbon so it's it's gonna bind up any uh, nitrogen that could be there uh, but also uh, they're working on phosphate levels in our water which were pretty much non-existent so there there was some concern even in our state about how much phosphate could potentially be in water and I, I certainly understand that people see a pipe and they see water coming out of a pipe and we all are kind of pre-programmed to to think about what do we have for uh, uh, you know coming out of a factory or something like that what kind of pollution would there be boy that water is pretty clean so I'd say get your own data from your own farm if you're going to fight this that's that's really the only way you'll know for sure as well. Uh, also, I know Brian always would tell a story about uh, Lake Erie and when we were doing some meetings out in that area that a farmer encouraged him to uh, take a boat cruise up along the shore and look for any of those pipes that could be coming out of factories. 
and also look at satellite imagery to see, huh, where's the green coming from? Uh, it's very unlikely to be coming from subsurface drainage. Hey, thanks, Andrea. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.